the sort of holy grail of moments was I got arrested for trying to steal a police vehicle and I was like faced with having to go to jail. And in the book, I detail the story as a way of me reflecting how I got there. Welcome to Let It Out. I'm Katie. This week, I spoke to Rosie Acosta. Rosie and I met about five years ago. We talk about it at length in the beginning of what you're about to hear. And we'd already been talking that day for about an hour and a half because we had a conversation on her podcast where she had me on as a guest, which is really a part one, I guess to this conversation. So we refer to it a little bit and maybe I'll even put a clip of it at the end. And if you want to hear it in full, I'll definitely put the link to that episode in the show notes. You can go over and listen to me on her show. They say a good interview should feel like therapy. And let me tell you, it kind of did in this episode. She had me, you know, catch her up really since the last time we spoke in 2016 and asked what changed and it's pretty much everything. I love and also cringe at the fact that podcasts, these episodes are really time capsules. You know, they're exactly who I was, what I was thinking about, what I was pondering on that day. And I'm sure five years later, two years later, tomorrow, I'll cringe at whatever it was because we changed so quickly. And it would be a bummer if I felt exactly the same way in five years that I do now, because that would mean that I haven't grown or evolved or learned anything. So in a way it's good, but it can also really make us cringe at what we clung to and felt was so true that we don't think about anymore now. You're about to hear Rosie's time capsule of where she is today, which is a pretty exciting place. She just had a book come out and we talk about her process for that and what writing looked like for her. And then we get into how a lot of the content in the book came to be. She tells a story about how her disillusionment with the Catholic faith started after getting arrested and her childhood growing up in LA in the 90s and getting into meditation and yoga. And we also talk about cycles and seasons and relationships. I loved this part of the conversation. It's a little bit shorter than some of our usual episodes, but like I said, there's if you want more, you know where to find it. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really grateful that you're listening, and I'll talk to you at the end. We have been talking for an hour already because I just did her podcast, and we were reminiscing about when we first met in person, which was over five years ago in Detroit. I came to her hotel room to be on her podcast, and 
we were, we talk about it in that episode. So I'll, you know, spare talking about it again, but it's really in my memory, like that whole day and meeting you. And I always just thought so fondly of you. And like you were saying, we both kept in touch in an internet sort of a way. And then recently when someone that you work with reached out to me about your new book, which congratulations, I'm so excited to talk about it. But I, I was like, Rosie, oh my God, Rosie. Yes. And it all (laughs) like flooded back. So it's so good to reconnect with you. That was, it was so nice. Yeah. I loved seeing your name pop up in my inbox. And I was like, wait, I'm like, no, this is my friend. You know, I was like, this is so, this is so cool. And, you know, part of, you know, podcasting, you're doing your own podcast. So for me, it's not like I go on podcasts all the time, you know, so for obviously when you're promoting a book, you're trying to get as many people to learn about it as possible. And so I didn't even think to reach out to people I knew, you know, I just was like, okay, let the publicist do what she does, you know? But yeah, I mean, again, yeah, to not sound redundant from the conversation we just had, I think there's just certain people that you meet. And it's funny, as we were talking about, I'm like, oh, didn't we have like a juice or a smoothie Mm -hmm. or something? feel like yeah we got a juice um yeah it, yeah there was so funny the details that like the way memory works you know like there are parts of it that i remember i like i know what i was wearing really well but there are other parts that are like a little vague but i do like va- i think i like brought us a juice maybe you brought us a juice which was so nice and we recorded we recorded the pod and then we talked for like a couple hours like yeah. i think it was it was because i remember you kept saying oh i I think I, I got to go. Like, <laughs> I got to go. I don't know if you had like another meeting or you were doing something I had a date. Else. You had a date. That's right. You had a date. I'm like, God, I remember. Okay. We just talked about it. You had a date. And um, yeah, it was so, look, I met hundreds of people during that little tour where I was going to all these cities. Um, and you definitely made an impression. There was something about something about you that just felt very, like I said it before, it felt very like home. It felt very authentic. It felt very real. And, and I love that, you know, I, I I love to meet people that you could just feel comfortable with and you can just feel like you're sitting down to have a cup of tea with, you know, it was totally mutual. And I'm so happy that we did connect then. And you met me at a time in my life that was really sparkly. I had just had the book come out and I was apparently, you know, very early starting to date someone new and about to move to New York. And there was a lot of excitement happening. So I think it was just so nice to be asked to do your podcast, you know, so excited. Tell us more about like what you were doing then. Okay, so let me let me try and see here. So I was doing this big tour with Yoga Journal magazine at that time. It was like uh, 38 cities in 38 weeks. I so remember we had, that because I, I was like the biggest Yoga Journal fan. Yeah. So we were kind of in the beginning because we started in New York and I know that we went New York. Philadelphia, Chicago, 
in Detroit. Or maybe it was we came to Detroit first and then Chicago. I can't remember, but it was like it was right at the beginning. And we basically were spending a week in each city, which is incredible, right? When I think back now, I'm like, man, I got to tour the country. And not just like we're stopping at a city. We'd be there for an entire week, you know. The whole idea behind the tour, it was called the Live Be Yoga Tour. And the experience was supposed to be sort of detailing how yoga lives in all of these different cities and the different communities. And so my buddy Bran and I would film these vlogs, like video blogs, and we would write articles every week for the magazine. And so this was like our job. So we got hired to do this, which was, again, incredible, incredible experience. Yeah, I remember this because I remember asking you all about it being like, I want to do this. This, Yeah, so I know. Cool. And I remember saying like, oh, they do it every year. I feel like we had only, they'd only done one or so we were like, they'd only done it. I can't remember if it was 2016 or 2015, but so it was like a new thing. And yeah, I was telling you that it was so much fun and it was a really cool thing to do. I mean, by the, the end of it, by the end of that year, I was just exhausted. But I feel like maybe I found you, maybe I was looking, oh, I remember. I was looking for local podcasters because you were doing your podcast at that time, right? Oh, yeah. I was like, I was going to say I was, I was far into it, but I, not that far. I was, I started in 2013. So I've been doing it for three years, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was just sort of like, I was looking for local people and maybe I found, I found you online somehow. And then I mess, I emailed you or messaged you. I can't remember if I DM'd you on Instagram or some somehow I emailed you and then you responded. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm in Detroit. Let's do it. And you were like, let's do it. You're like, I'll come to you. And you just came over to my uh-huh. little apartment. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is cool. You know, and unfor- I mean, I'd love to say that I encountered moments like this throughout the entire tour. But I think the reason why it was so impressionable for me was because they were a few and far between, you know, and you just know when you meet people that are special. And it was right before you had moved to New York. And I remember you talking to me about New York and just sort of telling me like what your dreams and aspirations were and what you wanted to do. And, and I just, and I saw you doing it, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. following you since then, just watching your journey unfold was super inspiring and it was so beautiful and you know it it, you never know what is really going on behind the scenes right but i just knew that you were such an honest person and very much into the holding up the integrity of what you do and what you did that i i just knew that you were special You know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, this girl is very special. She definitely knows what she's doing. She knows how to be fully who she is. And and I feel like that, that's why it it left such a deep impression, I think. Oh my gosh. Well, thanks for saying that, first of all. And 
you know, it's nice to, to have people who are, because in, in this, you know, weird job that we both sort of have, like, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And my, my friend Crystal said it to me, she was like, we were talking about dating actually. And she was like, you know, I I was just feeling kind of bummed and, and off. And she was like, you know, I think confidence wise you, when you have a full-time job or you have, you know, coworkers, you have someone being like, you know, the boss telling you every day, like, nice job or a coworker being like, boss sucks, but like, you're cool or, you know, or even like you live with roommates or, you know, you have people around you more frequently. Like when we both lived in New York together and, you know, would go to the same place to work every day. And without that, I think you have to there's, you can, I can feel like I'm floating a bit, you know, confidence wise. And so it was so nice of you to give me those compliments. Cause I guess, you know, in a way we're coworkers, you know, or in yes. a way we're people who like, we did this work thing five years ago. And it's so nice that, that we stayed in touch and, you know, here we are doing like sort of another work thing. And it, it truly like, you know, we were talking a lot about LA and my appreciation for being here in this place that you grew up in, which I want to talk about, but I think about that a lot with radio, you know, I, I studied journalism and, and I would have never gotten to, I would have had to, you know, move to a small town and really work my way up to maybe get to like be on the radio or, or do journalism in some way. And I get to do this conversation show that people have gotten to hear and I've gotten to do it from anywhere. And I, you know, it's my job. Like last night I, I was recording the ads and it took me forever. Like I had to record something. And I was like feeling a little bit frustrated. I was like, nope, 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 nope. This is like really great that you get to do this. And I was able to feel frustrated for how long it was taking for a second. And then just be so, I can't believe that I get to do this and I hope I get to keep doing it. You know, that's like where my fear goes. And so, you know, in moments of not feeling confident, it's so nice to to reconnect with people that you've known a while and just have human connection is so important outside of, you know, emailing someone occasionally, or, you know, even seeing a familiar stranger, but to, you know, have conversation. And I I do feel like through this talking on these podcasts, it does feel real. Like it does feel like real connection. And I don't feel like that in social media for sure, but I feel like these podcast conversations, not every time, but most of them do feel like I'm actually connecting with another human being. And I'm able to get into this volley where we're able to see each other and create this conversation intimacy, you know, and that is real connection. And I just really love this medium and I'm happy that it's brought us together now like three times. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I am too. And I, everything I can relate to every single thing that you're saying, even as far as the ad frustration (laughs) recording. It's just, it's interesting, right? To get to a place where you have to really change your perspective and, and realize that what you're doing and, I think it's really just a matter of accepting when things come into your life, 
experiences, careers, people, and knowing that it's exactly the way it needs to be in that moment, right? Mm, it's like, yeah. not to say there's a difference between everything happens for a reason to, no, I, I accept the way things are and I'm going to make the best of it because really what other choice do I have? Yeah. That's what I believe. Like I was really addicted to asking people like if they believed everything happened for a reason for a while on this podcast, actually, like in 2019 when I was just really depressed and what I came to is, is that like, I don't believe everything happens for a reason at all, but I do think we can make reason to something that did happen and try to do it in a way that allows us to move forward or to move through something or to feel something or do some mental gymnastics to feel better. If it helps, like whatever helps, like whether it's Catholicism or meditation or, as long as it doesn't hurt other people is great and you should do it. Yeah. I told, I mean, a thousand percent. I'm, I'm the person that loves to poke holes at the everything happens for a reason. You know, I'm like, mm, well, what about this? Yeah. Uh, yeah tell yeah. me what the reason was for this, you know? So I'm, I'm with you on that. And I'm also this serial optimist as well, where I, I like to believe that eventually the sun will come out, that there will be, that radiant moment of aha, or you realize, wow, yeah, this is the result of going through that dark passageway for this moment in time, especially when those of us that have experienced those bouts of sadness or depression or feeling like we don't really know why we're doing what we're doing. I think it's important to know that it's like everything, that it's a cycle and it doesn't last forever. Yeah. I think that the tides are really helpful for me with that mm-hmm. or the phases of the moon to look at things as cyclical. And there are times where we're wintering and there are times when I feel really low, like it's going to come back again. And that's easier the older you get a little bit because you just have a bigger sample size and you know that like, oh, I felt really low before. God damn it, here we are again. But I know that on the other side of this, there's richness and it's how it works. You know, it's a pattern. Yeah, I, a a thousand percent, I feel like part of what gives people the ability to connect at a deeper way, like what you're saying about having these sort of heart centered conversations or connecting in, in this medium, I think gives us the solace or the respite in those moments because we can recognize the same struggle in each other. And it's the saying, it's better together. And I feel like even sometimes when we are going through a really difficult time or we are navigating through life's challenges, it's it's a lot easier to cope when you hear that other people are going through the same, navigating the same waves. Yeah. Or have, you know, come out the other side. Right. Right. Like that's something that I really hold on to is, you know, okay. All right. They are in a different place than they once were. And they were once where I was, that feels really nice. That's like a soothing balm, you know, when you're in (laughs) it with something. Yes. 
And I think that, you know, like that's why being a teenager is so challenging, you know, because you're feeling, you're kind of like a cartoon character where you're feeling everything blown up because of hormones and for the first time, and you don't really know how to navigate it because you've never been there. And it's intense, you know, and, and you talk about this in your book and I've been thinking, you know, you kind of hear people talk about inner child, but I'm not really as interested in that, but I am interested in our own teenage years. I'm so curious, like what my friends were like as teens. So can you talk about what it was like growing up in LA in the nineties and what you were like and how you coped with everything around you? One of the most interesting things I read was about your the way you found your disillusionment with Catholicism and the Catholic mm-hmm. faith. If you can talk about that, yeah, I mean, I I'm just nodding to everything that you're saying, especially with regard to teenagers, right? Because that's the first thing I think about is our own relationship to what Katie's saying especially when it comes to relating to that stage of life for ourselves and going through it. It's such a traumatic time, right? Because exactly what you're saying, it's the first time we're experiencing these deep emotions. And if we're empathetic, like we're feeling thing, we've got the hormones that are sort of amplifying and mag and creating this huge, like magnifying glass on everything. And, and we're just, trying to figure out what we believe in who we are. So yeah, just a little bit of of my background. I grew up in a in East LA during a very chaotic and violent time in LA history. It was early 90s. There was gang violence, there was the riots that we were dealing with. There was just a really sort of heavy energy that LA was going through during this this time. And we were in an area, specifically our little housing project that we lived in, largely uh, first-gen immigrant families that were all just trying to make ends meet. And so the result of that was having a lot of us kids sort of left to our own devices. I always akin this time of growing up as very much Lord of the Flies. You know, I would see all of us kids, we would play the minute we'd get out of school. I mean, we would just play until the wee hours of the night. Rarely did we see an adult. And it was actually really, really fun. You know, as a kid, you're just kind of playing up until you feel like it. And it wasn't until all of those same children started to get older that they became more entrenched in the ideology of being not even ideology, but the, the actual fact of being disenfranchised during this time. So we started to get into a lot of trouble. I was hanging out with the, it's almost like the wrong crowd, but it was the only crowd that I was around and I started to get in trouble with the law. I had been arrested a couple of times already. And I finally, the sort of holy grail of moments was I got arrested for trying to steal a 
police vehicle and I was like faced with having to go to jail. And in the book, I detail the story as a way of me reflecting how I got there. And so now going back to your question about the faith, I grew up in a very Catholic household. There was a lot of ritual, lots of prayer. I mean, my my grandmother went to church like every day. We hosted a weekly prayer circle at our little apartment with all the local mom moms and aunts and women would come and pray for their loved ones that a lot of them were in the throes of drugs or gang gangs. And I just saw the upheaval and the desperate torment of hopelessness that these women would just sit and plea and beg for God to come down and save them. And it was heartbreaking. And being a, a Catholic, a good little Catholic at that time, I believed that if these women were good people, why did bad things keep happening to them? And there was that was the beginning of my cognitive dissonance to the way I saw the world. And it began this sort of inquiry with the adults in my life asking questions and not really understanding why I prayed to somebody who I didn't see and who obviously didn't know that we were there because all of these atrocious things were happening in the world. And I was attending catechism classes and I ended up getting finally kicked out because I questioned uh, an experience that again, I, I'm like, I don't necessarily want whether you read the book or not, but if you're interested in like the entire story, you can read it there or you can listen to it. Basically, and I'm like, and I, you can listen to it or I can tell you now. Spoiler alert. I was going to catechism classes and the nun that was teaching the class was basically telling us, giving us a lecture on the Eucharist. And so if you're not Catholic, the Eucharist is the part of the programming where the priest raises this sacred wafer cookie up to the sky. Very dry cookie very hot in your upper molars totally (laughs) it's whenever i have a bad cracker that's what you think about Mm -hmm. katie isn't it like doesn't it feel like uh like a cone like an ice cream cone no ice cream cones are much better well yeah but like the the consistency you know like once it gets a little bit i sounds like you had a better cookie ours was like cardboard Honestly, card like white cardboard. Yeah, no, it definitely was white cardboardy. <laughs> Maybe in my mind, I'm like, I mean, I only had it that one experience because I never did my, I never ended up doing my first communion. But oh wow, yeah, no, because I got kicked out. So basically, so you were little when you got kicked out because that's like oh, second well, grade. I mean, I was like, I was like nine, eight or yeah, nine. But so how old is that? Like little. third grade, third yeah. or fourth grade? Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of when I was like, okay, having an existential crisis at like nine years old, <laughs> you know, yeah. which is hilarious. When I think back now and I, I see some of my nieces and I'm like, man, that's how old I was when I was just 
ready to rebel against the system, which is kind of funny and, and kind of fun. It's that thing we were talking about prior to when you were on my podcast and the sort of audacity of our child self, right? Mm -hmm. Of our younger self. So I basically, the nun said that we were going to see God's hand come down and touch the sacred wafer cookie. And then <laughs> we were going to be super special because nobody else knew that this was going to happen. Well, it happened. And obviously I didn't see anything. Everybody comes back to the catechism class during this specific service. And she asks everybody if they saw the hand of God come down to touch the wafer cookie. Every single child raised their hand and I just did not want to lie. I was like, I'm in the house of God. I don't want to go to hell. Like, this is not the way. And so I didn't raise my hand. And then she basically oh. said, the people who didn't get to see it, that just means you're not ready for God. What? Oh, yeah. This is wild. This <laughs> is wild. So all the other children are, oh, my God. This is I know such uh, an interesting choice of education style. Right. <laughs> So I couldn't hold my tongue. So I raised my hand and I abruptly stood up and I said, no, I didn't see it. And I did call her miss. I said, no, miss. I didn't see it because there was nothing there. Like there was nothing there. And I remember that was it. Like I got kicked out and my parents, they basically had to change their congregation or their church because I essentially was excommunicated which oh is hilarious gosh. now in hindsight because i remember feeling you know my mom was really upset but my dad he was so supportive he's like look we'll just find a different church <laughs> you know and i was like okay but nobody's answering the fact that i did not see god's hand like am i doomed you know yeah. And as a child, it's so scary to think about, especially, right, if you're Catholic, because you know that the depictions of hell are so barbaric and atrocious. <laughs> so you're like, okay, this is scary. I don't want to go there. And that really was what opened my mind to learning about different religious practices. Many years later, by the time I was a teenager and, and the whole experience with the cop car happened, it just took me right back to that that place. That's why I always I start I start the book telling that story because it was so pivotal to what was gonna need to like what needed to happen in order for me to create a better life, right? To really understand what radical love meant. So in that time frame, I was suffering from debilitating panic attacks and agoraphobia because obviously I was scared of leaving. When I think back now, I'm like, okay, I had PTSD. This child obviously doesn't want to leave her house. She's agoraphobic because she is literally in fear of getting shot because there's drive-by shootings outside and people are getting stabbed. And like, it wasn't like... I was being completely overdramatic. I was just having a physiological experience from the years and years and years of trauma. And my mom ended up coming home one day with a couple of pamphlets from the Self-Realization Fellowship. And her, a friend of hers had given her to give to me because she had read that meditation helped with stress and anxiety and so thought oh this might maybe this might work right 
And that's what sort of opened this door to wanting to learn more. And, and I was really into new age because I was, I didn't have a religion at that point. Right. I was like, I wanted to, and I had a desire. I wanted to know, I still believed in God, but I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know how it was going to manifest in my life. And, and I just, I, I was always searching. I was always seeking. And so that really opened the door for me to learn about spirituality and, and sort of have this spiritual inquest at, at that impressionable teenage age where I was consuming every book. So that that's really what opened the door. That was my experience that got me into learning about yoga and meditation and seeing the difference that it was making in my life. I mean, it took a couple of years, but really my first foray to experiencing what meditation was, going to the Self-Realization Fellowship on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood and having this incredible experience. And I definitely call it sort of like a spiritual awakening, if you will. And it not being something extremely dramatic, like some people are, or might say that they heard, you know, the voice of God, or they might have had this physiological response. I, all that happened for me was I was able to relax mm-hmm. and I felt my body in that moment and I felt my breath and it felt very much like living those first 15 years of my life disembodied and constantly being in this hypervigilant state, living in this sort of central nervous system the entire time. This was my first moment where I felt like I came back into my body, right? Mm. And it was very simple. Um, I, I felt the simplicity of it and I felt the sort of like, ah, like here I am you know and and that was it 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 completely changed my life it changed my perspective of the world and it really made me feel like okay there is something out there there's something in here that i believe in and i have to anchor into that even if i can't define it for many years i know that it's there and this is going to be my guiding lantern as i navigate through life and that was it this week's episode is brought to you by Bombas. Bombas' mission is simple make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you're also giving to someone in need. Bombas designs their socks, shirts, and their underwear to be clothes that you really can't wait to put on every day. Everything they make is soft, seamless, and tagless, and has a luxurious, cozy feel. I'm wearing some of their socks right now, and and I really love them. They they make it easy to sweat in and move in, and they're comfortable for every activity that I do. Baba's t-shirts are made with thoughtful design and features like invisible seams and soft fabrics. They fit really, really well. And I didn't know this, but socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters. That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. 
Go to bombas.com slash let it out and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash let it out for 20% off. Bombas.com slash let it out. Today's episode is brought to you by Native. Native is one of my favorite personal care brands. I've been using them forever. I've talked about them before. When it comes to personal hygiene, you might not read the long list of ingredients on the back of the bottle. I know I don't usually do that, but you know, we try to care about what we're putting on our bodies and trying native personal care products like I did might be something that you wanna do. Every single native product is thoughtfully formulated to keep you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. They're best known for their aluminum-free deodorant, which is why they keep their ingredients really, really simple. Things you can understand like coconut oil, shea butter, baking soda. Native deodorant checks a lot of boxes, 24-hour odor protection, naturally derived ingredients, a smooth residue-free application, that's key, and over 10 scents to choose from. Native's coconut vanilla scented deodorant has been my favorite for a couple years now, ever since my friend Christine gave it to me. They also have a cucumber mint that's quickly climbing the charts. My friend told me they got the unscented and, and like it, they love it. They also have a lavender rose that I'm dying to try. So if you wanna make the switch from an antiperspirant to native, visit their site and you can discover all of their scents and maybe even try one of their moisturizing body washes while you're at it. I think I'm gonna do that. Smell fresh all day long with native. Get 20% off your first order by going to native.com slash let it out or use promo code let it out at checkout. That's nativedeo.com slash let it out or use promo code let it out at checkout for 20% off your first order. This week's episode is brought to you by Masterworks. So what hurts more than falling off of your bike, scraping your knee, blood everywhere? A bunch of things, actually. And, you know, one of those things, according to Masterworks, it's Bitcoin. Getting burned by Bitcoin. The most recent crypto crash in January wiped out more than $1 trillion. And whether or not crypto is in your portfolio, it never hurts to explore alternative investments. One of my personal favorites is artwork. Fine art isn't just beautiful, it can also be an investment. Contemporary art prices outpaced the S&P 500 from 1995 to 2020, and more and more women are taking advantage of it. According to Forbes, in 2021, for the first time ever, women investors spent more on art than men did. And while most of us can't buy a Basquiat or Monet, Today's sponsor, Masterworks, makes it possible for everyone to add blue chip artwork to your portfolio. They're even giving my listeners priority at masterworks.io, promo code LETITOUT. You should definitely check out their offerings and learn more at masterworks.io, promo code LETITOUT. See important regulation A disclosures at masterworks.io slash about slash disclosure. Thank you, Masterworks. So then how did you decide that you wanted to teach this? Five or six years later, by the time I was 20, I was, you know, I was putting myself through college and I was working and it was sort of like turning my life 
completely around and I blamed the whole thing on that experience of just learning self-inquiry having contemplative practices and I started to think oh like wouldn't it be awesome to bring these types of practices to bring these modalities to people like the people I grew up with like the people who believed that they were stuck in this system who believed that they would never amount to anything or people who maybe didn't have access so that was always my intention so I started to learn and and I started volunteering at this uh, small little yoga studio doing sort of like cleaning the studio for classes and just learning you know taking workshops and seeing all these like really incredibly deep teachers and i was like i want to do that like i want to i want to be the person teaching that or I want to learn because it felt so good for me. And so that sort of sparked the desire. And a few years after that, I did my first yoga teacher training and I started to just kind of teach on the side. I was still working full time. It took uh, many years after that. Uh, and I say that and I'm like, it took a long time for me. It wasn't until I think I, after my 27th or 28th birthday that I started to teach you know, like to really teach, like I, I got a couple of classes and I started to really get into wellness at the time I was working for, for a like ce celebrity fitness trainer. And so I was kind of wrapped up doing that for a few years. And that really took over my entire life, sort of like setting healthy boundaries with work. And that that's also around the time where I, I thought it would be great to start to do a a podcast and to have a wellness website like where can i bring all of these things that i'm learning and also what kind of excuse can i come up with to learn from the people that i admire <laughs> like start a podcast you can yeah, talk to that was that was basically my plan <laughs> right it, it it really was like such a a great way to incentivize authors or people that you really looked up to to talk to you so it was during that time i ended up moving up to portland and i lived there for like four years and being up there was also really helpful because it's what you've talked about before too this changing your environment can either create that space that you need where it's just everything is new and fresh and at first it was really daunting for me because I've been, I'd been in LA, I'm back in LA now, but I'd been in LA my entire life. So it was, it was so weird for me to have to use, I'm going to date myself MapQuest yeah. to like go home. It was so bizarre because I'd never, I don't need directions. Like, you know, you're, if you're from LA, I, I basically was born and grew up and went to college within an eight mile radius of the hospital of where I was born. <laughs> like that was my entire existence was this eight mile radius bubble. That was it. And that, that's what all I ever needed. I never had a desire to sort of move out of my environment, but I'm glad I did. It really taught me a lot. I learned so much from having that experience of being new, making new friends creating what you were saying on my podcast, like building that new community. And so, yeah, that was, 
sort of the beginnings of it. And little by little, I just kept at it and I'd, I'd give up. I'd go on hiatus at times. I'd do kind of odd jobs and, and then I would start again. And, and then finally, I, I had this idea for a book and then I went on that journey. And I, it, it, the idea for the book was born in 2013, so almost 10 years ago. The proposal happened in 2018, and it was complete by 2019. And then at the beginning of 2020 is when we ended up selling the book, and and now she's out in the world. What was your process like for writing the book? I actually went up to Portland for a majority of it. And actually, I don't think I've ever talked about this before, because I did live in Portland for that sort of four-year stint, I, I really enjoyed having this space, having green space. When you're in LA, for me, like I didn't realize it. You grow up in the sort of frenetic, constant flow of energy. You don't realize what it's like until you kind of move yourself out of it. You're operating at a different... You know, it's like if you've ever been to Hawaii, people are like, oh, you're operating on Hawaii time. There's that, or you go, you've been to, you know, Bali or something. It's like Bali time. Things just kind of happen at a slower pace. And I really felt that in order for me to write the book that I wanted to write, I needed to go into that really slowed down frequency. It wasn't going to happen here with the sort of busyness that LA creates. So I did go up to Portland a lot during this time. I would wake up early in the morning and and write. That was my my morning ritual. So I would say like 60% of the book got done there. And then the rest happened during lockdown, obviously. <laughs> so that was interesting, kind of having to navigate a pandemic and try to organize thoughts of how to ground and create space and invite people to write their own story. So early in the morning, wake up, do my morning practice. I would meditate just for, you know, a couple couple minutes and get on the computer and write before my house was awake. And and that was it. That that was the time uh towards the end once I started to get into the editing process, I started to do more of like a full day experience where I would start in the morning and sort of do a nine to five type of thing. I, I noticed that for me, and I'm curious if this happened to you, there's only so much that happens. It's like the creative block. I, I love that you talk about the Pomodoro technique because I, I use that a lot during the writing process. I feel like the creativity coming in waves absolutely does ring true. And it, it did work for me. Because I I noticed there was days where if I had my first deadline, I feel like I would really push myself to like, just, oh, I'm going to write all day today and all day tomorrow. And it just, I would write maybe for two or three hours and the rest, I'm like, I'm not going to use any of what I've written because it's, it's so redundant or I feel like I'm pushing. So I'd have to step away from it for a couple of days and then come back. So I think the key to my personal writing process was creating that space and allowing myself the time and those moments of relaxing and just sort of tuning out and disconnecting from social media and and doing like a, a little Netflix binge. Yeah, I I work similarly. Like I'm all in or all out. Like it's really hard for me to vacillate between 
projects or between hanging out with people and being by myself, working. So I I get that. I'm really happy that it brought us back together. Yeah, me too. What's your favorite part of your life right now? We have this like... Tori, my, my partner and I, we have this morning ritual where we kind of do our own thing in the morning. He's having his coffee. I'm having my tea or matcha or something. We do a little bit of computer work, but then it's like time for breakfast. And we sort of disconnect from the phone, from the computer. And we go, and we sit down, we have a little breakfast nook. And so we just sit there and we'll either just like, fill each other in on our day or or what we have going on or might be like going over a dream from the night before or maybe a plan or just sort of energetically checking in. And I just really, I just love that. I love for us to be able to connect over, you know, our morning smoothies and peanut butter toast because that's literally what we have every single morning. It It doesn't change. But I think that that, there's something really beautiful about that experience, just sitting and and having the quiet and having some light music playing in the background. We're creative. We're both very creative and and always love having music. There's always music playing in our house constantly. And so just having that to look look forward to every morning is, is just like I. I know it's uh, something that I'm just so grateful for. Sounds so nice. What's a piece of advice that you've gotten recently? Maybe something that helped you with your book or with this process of releasing your book or just in general that has been useful to you? Oh, God, this is good. This is from my writing mentor. He is so badass. He told me to not take the praise and not take the blame. So essentially, it's a beautiful practice of non-attachment, especially with regard to what happens with this book. I was so worried and just nervous. I'm like, oh my goodness, is are people going to buy this book? Like, are people going to get it? Are people going to like it? I did am I an okay writer? Like, did I do it right? Mm. All of these questions, right? Even, even though, yeah, you get a book deal and you go through the whole process, it's still your work, right? It's still your thoughts. You don't know how they're going to land with people or if they're going to resonate until they're out in the world. And he basically just told me, he's like, look, you did it. The work is done. It doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to the world. So let it go and don't buy into the praise and don't buy into the blame, you know, like the blame meaning any critics that might come out, any sort of criticism that might make you feel like you didn't do a good job. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so useful, right? Because we can't control how people feel about us and, regardless, it affects us, you know, it all impacts us, but trying to have some detachment is really useful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally, I'm with you on that. Like how, how do you feel about that? 
Like, do you agree with that sentiment? I mean, hmm. Yeah, I, I think I've heard things similar before of like, don't attach too much to compliments or criticism. But I do think there's good in feedback, you know, like I think having people who are all like, yes, men around me, yes, people is also not good. Right. But I also think that like, I'm so, this is something I wanted to talk to you about actually, like I'm so malleable and can be influenced really easily. Like I don't need to know if something works for you, Rosie, and I know you and trust you, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, where do I get it? Can you send me the link? I'm in, you know, like, and I can be the same way about a lot of things. And it's not like, I don't have opinions, but I I'm very trusting and open and can change my mind very quickly. So to that with feedback, you know, you have to be a little bit careful because it's someone tells me a negative thing about myself instead of just being like, okay, cool. You must work on. I go into, I'm a piece of shit. I'm like the yeah. scum of the earth. Like, and then yeah, I'm out yeah. for like weeks, you know, but also I do the same thing for a compliment where like someone says something nice to me, someone who I really care about or, you know, have put on a pedestal in any way. And I can like ride the high of that dopamine for two weeks. And that's not good either. You know, so it's really yeah, about like, no, it's hard staying in the center. So I think that's what that advice is really about. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I'm I'm the same. I'm like I am so easily persuaded. Like so to a point where I mean obviously it's it's always good, right? Because that means you're open. But at the same time it's like, oh yeah, I can really wow, this means a lot. Somebody just gave me this huge compliment and um it feels really good, you know? But also you can have 10 incredible reviews on Amazon, but it's just that one mm-hmm that one yep. that isn't that one star review that somebody just left you because they think that your work is shit. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's the one that you're going to focus on. That's the one that you're going to remember. And it's so unfortunate because as an outsider, I can see and say to somebody else, like, don't worry about it. That's their own story. They're obviously envious or maybe they have some jealousy or maybe they just didn't really like it. And I imagine there's a lot of other things in their life they feel that way about, and we have to have compassion for that person. But when I think about it for myself, like if it happens to me or when it happens to me, I'm just, I'm going to be heartbroken. Yeah. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah. With that, you know, when you're having a shitty day or you're feeling uninspired or blocked or off, what do you do to make yourself feel better? Oh, that one's easy. I just, I disconnect, you know, I call my people. uh, I've got like a handful of friends that are my like, just friends that I've had for a long time. And I, I just send a voice note. I get it all out. I let myself just have that experience of like, this is how I feel. This is why everything's wrong. This is why what I'm going to do none of it matters. So, you know, like I have that meltdown experience and then I'm like, okay. And I turn on the karaoke machine (laughs) and I literally sing the entire Alice in Chains catalog (laughs) or I do, you know, like I'll do some old school, like nineties hits or something like just to get myself out of that 
weird space. Maybe I'll go for a hike. I'm a big fan of putting my phone to sleep. I'm so used to not having my phone with me that if it's past a certain time, it feels weird for me to have my phone in my hand at like six o'clock. I'm like, no, 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 she needs to go to bed, you know? And I just put her to bed and I feel like anytime I feel stuck, that's a distraction for me. I need to set that boundary, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that a lot. (laughs) That sounds like a really good idea. (laughs) You mentioned your partner, Tori. What's your greatest lesson on romantic relationships? You know, Tori are about to celebrate our 19 year anniversary. 19? Yeah, one nine. Wow. Yeah, because we we started dating when I was 20 and I'm 38, so I'm gonna be 39 this year. So yeah, I've learned so much from him and he's seen me grow obviously like from being this 20 year old girl like on my just dedicated on my path very independent Uh, i'm still very we're both very independent and i think that that's what makes our relationship work so well he's always been so supportive and we've definitely gone through it you know we've we've done we've done it all we've we've almost lost everything together we've (laughs) we've almost gotten evicted because we couldn't pay our mortgage (laughs) And we, he's, yeah, we've, we've been through the ringer. We've seen each other at our best and our worst for sure. He comes from the same type of, I mean, he's different, you know, he grew up in like a farm in Yam Hill, Oregon. He also knows what it's like to grow up having nothing and, and building a career from, from scratch. And, uh, I think that what makes our relationship work is our continued desire to accept each other fully as we are and to give each other the space to be exactly who we are at whatever stage of life we're in. I think that relationships move in this cyclical way where you grow together and then there's a season you were talking earlier about like wintering and how there's these seasons where it's nice to go through these cycles and relationships are exactly the same. We've had those moments where we thought it was going to be over and, and fully in the resolve of like, okay, we are definitely getting a divorce. We're not married, but like we are getting a divorce. There's no way that we can survive this. And we've made it through both times we've had two and I feel like it's not by chance that they're both at those seven year cycles <laughs> at seven years. We had this really intense and I, I actually do write about that in the book in the you are radically engaged chapter. I talk about engagement versus connection and expectation and how we sort of have these ideals in our minds of what a relationship should be like and look like and we forget that each person is their own individual and it's important to maybe be open to the fact that things could actually be, we always think all oh, things can be worse if somebody doesn't meet my standards, but like they could also be better. Maybe your standards are what's keeping somebody else from being fully who they are. I also call that 
being in a relationship is what is the highest form of spiritual practice. Yeah. Because it's, that's how we right? learn our mirrors yes. and pushing us forward. And yeah, it's uncomfortable because you constantly have to be aware of yourself and another person and compromise and so yes. much easier to not participate. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, there it are is- a few challenges of like, not being in a relationship of like, uh, you know, support and like having someone around, but not really. Cause like you can find those all in friendships and whatever and keep yeah. at a distance. It's not that hard, Yeah, but to go in it with someone. Is- yes. And what I will say right now that you're saying that it's like your partner should not have the gravitas and the burden of filling all of those parts of you that you think they should fill. I think that that's why we have communities. That's why we have certain friends and certain people, you know, the thing is we want to be all things to our partner, you know, but we can't be all things to all people. It just doesn't work that way. I want Tori to be the person that I tell everything and and share. And I want him to give me like the most sagely advice. And he's just like, not that way. (laughs) You know, he's just not, I mean, he is absolutely great sounding board, but there are certain things, certain areas of my life that he just doesn't understand. And so I can't expect him to show up in the way that like, for example, one of my besties shows up where she knows exactly what to tell me when I'm going, she knows exactly how to coax me, right? She's like, everything's fine. You're going to be okay. Like this person is just counterparts oftentimes want to fix what's wrong with their beloved, right? They want to fix. It's like, I want to fit whatever's wrong with you. Like, oh, just do this. (laughs) It's like, okay, no, but, but can you... Can you hear me out? It's like, no, I can see you're upset. Just do this. And it's like, no, 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 no. But I want to explain why I'm upset. Okay, yeah. but why are you complaining about it? Just do this. And it's like, right, right, right. Do you see what I'm saying? Solution oriented. So, yeah. Totally. And I think it's it's what you're saying. It's a matter of compromise. It's a matter of being open to hearing and listening and also being held and having somebody that's willing to hold you during those moments and and having communication, you know, people aren't, I mean, look, I'm a very intuitive person, but my partner is, is not a psychic. He doesn't know what is happening in my brain. So I have to use my words. And sometimes we feel like using our words negates our experience or makes us, you know, maybe resentful that our partner can't figure out our intricate you know, like maze, (laughs) our intricate sort of like escape room of our emotion. They can't figure it out. You know, we get upset that we have to like tell them where the door is. But I feel like if you don't show them, then how are they supposed to learn? You know? Yeah. It's expecting too much from people and it's not their job. And we have to, you know, we're meant to live in communities and find support and, and build ourselves up so that we can be there for other people. And yeah. I, with that, you know, you we talked about Catholicism. Where are you with spirituality and God and what happens when we die now? Oh, man. My single most revered anchor is always just knowing that I got myself, right? That there is this anchoring um energy of support it's in me it's outside of me it's it's what i was talking about during our podcast when i was talking about that sphere of creativity that you step into Mm -hmm. 
I feel about God or higher power, whatever it is, however anyone out there wants to word it. For me, it's God. I feel like that presence, that sphere, that energy is just there. And, uh, and all I have to do is just step into it. I feel like my practice now is very much a practice in letting go and releasing and creating less tension. I'm a big fan of being morbid and sort of having this nightly practice where I think about, okay, if I don't wake up tomorrow, did I live my life well? Did I tell everybody that I loved them today? And it's not like I get on my phone and then I start to call everybody, but I feel into it and I say, okay, sometimes I've been prompted to get up and send like my mom a text message that I love her, or that I miss her or something, you know, like, or just hi, you know, mm-hmm. just something random. But most of the time I, I go to bed feeling a deep sense of just gratitude and, and release knowing, okay, like you're, you're doing your best and that's all we could ever do, right? Is just do our best and, yeah. and give ourselves the, the space that we need in order to feel like we can live a life without judging ourselves and without being so hard on ourselves and just doing what we can to live a heart-centered life. Mm, Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I'm so happy we got to reconnect and congrats on the book. And I just, I think you're incredible. So The show is called Let It Out, as you know. So is there anything else that you want to let out? Is there anything that you wish that I would have asked that you never get to talk about? Anything else you want to share? No, I'm just, you know, grateful for people like you. You know, I think this is so incredible. You've been doing this for so long. You've been really committed. And I think that you're people, your listeners, your students, the people that work with you already know how special you are. And I'm I'm grateful that we have been able to reconnect after this long. I hope we don't wait this long again, um, especially knowing now that you're in the city I live in, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah but that's it. I, I think I thank you for your work and for your dedication and yeah, we're just holding hands, moving through life together. Oh, well, I you are so sweet. And you made my whole day hearing you say that is so nice and just to reconnect with you. And so thank you so much, Rosie. We'll end by letting out a deep breath together. You ready? Yeah. Inhale. Let it out. <sighs> That always feels good. <laughs> it does. Thank you so much. I'm oh my God, so, so happy so that much. I got to spend the whole goddamn morning with morning. you. <laughs> yeah, totally. Thank you. All right. That was my episode with Rosie Acosta. If you want more where this came from, the link is in the show notes to listen to me and her podcast. Here's a little clip of that now. He really helped me see that like, 
There are cool, creative people and there's community wherever you are. And it's, we have this kind of like elitist um, view, I think sometimes of like different cities or different yeah. communities or even different parts of cities and smaller cities of like, this is where the cool people are. And I think so much of that is like identity and ego and I'm so susceptible to it too. But I do think the older I get, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, every every city has like a block like this where there's like the coffee shop and the thing. And, the th- and it's like, you just have to find your, the people who like, like you were saying, make you feel like you can be yourself around and grow yeah. and, and actually be honest with each other. And that's something I really appreciate about, you know, with the pandemic, like, the importance of familiar strangers, the importance of like being a regular somewhere and having community and going to the same few places. And there's a community care element of that and like talking to my neighbors and actually, you know, trying to be where I am a little bit. Cause I think in New York, I, I had that in some ways, but in other ways, you know, I was kind of one foot in and one foot out and constantly traveling and going to all the different neighborhoods because it's so easy to get around. But in when I moved here, I was like really kind of rooted. Like I didn't have a car yeah. when I first moved here. I just happened to be here. And I think there was like a peacefulness that came to that in yes. a way. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I want, I definitely want to pull on that string. There's so many things that you said that I was like, oh, I need to know more. The first thing is the ideal of the, the, where the ego plays a role in where you live and what you think that will create, right? With your posing the juxtaposition of wherever you go, there you are. And wherever you are is where you can cultivate that sense of community. Which I really love, especially knowing that so many of us moved during this time. The last two years, I know a lot of people sort of uprooted and mm-hmm. and and moved to different parts. But I, I feel like there's this element of our ability to be open to receiving that. Right? I mean, I'd be curious to hear what the difference was energetically or intentionally from moving to New York to moving to LA or was it like what sparked in you what was the difference did it have different energy was the New York move more career based like you you thought that was the place to be or was it more that's where your heart wanted to be with LA was it the same like I'd love for you to just walk us through the the sort of discerning experience for you yeah And if you want more Rosie, get yourself a hard copy of her book, Radically Loved. We complimented each other a million times in these two episodes, but I'm going to compliment her one more time. She's so kind and lovely, and I'm really happy that we got to reconnect. Thank you so much for being here. If you're new here, welcome. Dive into the archive. There's way more of where this came from, and I'll be back next week with a fresh episode. If you want the show notes emailed right to you sign up for the let it out letter it's where you get an essay from me somewhat weekly bi-weekly every three weeks whenever i have a chance to be so honest with you i'm a little bit under the weather i'm sick so i've been struggling through this intro and outro so i'll keep this tight and get back to lemon water and honey and tea but i hope you're feeling good wherever you are and again i'm really grateful that you've spent time with me today or I joined you folding laundry or driving or perhaps you're on a walk and happy spring we just had the spring equinox and I hope 
wherever you are, you're feeling the newness of a new season and not just seasonal allergies. All right. Love you. Bye.